and welcome to the week 17 edition of Spitball. Your weekly NFL roundup. I'm your host, Adri Bullhawk Mallows, and with me as always, my teammate and good friend, Marcus Henson. How are you, buddy? Very good, thank you. We really need to work on a new nickname, though, there, this need, year. Need a new one. Yeah, Baby Bullhawk. No, <laughs> apparently that's taken, um, but he doesn't play for us anymore, so we'll see what happens. Um, let's move swiftly on, because... As with the last few weeks, we've got so much to talk about this week, especially with the events of Monday, after all the action as well. Let's get right in there. I'm going to start with Adrian Peterson. So close, so close. Eight yards off the record. He finished up with 2,097 yards. It was quite unbelievable, really. You were so willing him on. And even the first thing that they did, breaking off after the match, was um, the announcer... Um, I came straight up to him and you saw it she came straight up to him and just went do you know how close you were he's like nope nope I told no one to tell me how close was I he's like do you really want to know he's like yeah yeah whatever and she was like well yeah eight yards and he's sitting there going that's it she's like eight yards he's like, she's like what, how do you feel about that would you prefer to miss by a mile he's sitting there and went uh, no at the end of the day I did well and I did what I needed to do to win this game which gets us into the playoffs because at the end of the day the record's a record but we needed to win this game to get into the playoffs so that's what I did I turned up helped us win the game and it was, it was the way he did it so calmly so collectively again not um, glory chasing it was just that I'm here today to win us a football game everything else don't really matter and he did that with 100 and, uh, 199 yards and uh, a touchdown he also had a receiving touchdown as well and unbelievable I can't believe how close he came when I saw how many yards he had to get I was like well I know Green Bay aren't the best at run defence at the moment anyway but still I thought 205 yards to equal the record. I thought that's pushing it. But then to go out and have, I think he had 80 or 90 yards by half time. And you're thinking, go on, lad. Yeah, this could be on. And then so close. It reminds me of a few years ago when I was five points off winning fantasy football in the entire UK. Gutted. So I know how he feels, kind of. Will anyone ever get close to the record again? Bearing in mind we are now in a pass heavy, I say that in inverted commas, league. Um, I think people will. The reason being is there's always going to be that developmental towards now. In a pass-heavy league that we're becoming, defences, do you start breeding towards that stopping the pass run second? I'd like to think that there's going to be a generation. Firstly, people you see people like Doug Martin. He's the new sort of breed that's coming out. And you look to what he managed to put up. Well, he put up, I believe, it was a better part of 400 yards over the uh, two-game span. Yeah. Stuff like that. I mean, yes, I know some of it, again, was in the air, like where Adrian P- Peterson's was, where he is someone who is effective through the handoff, but also as that's, that clutch option, sort of get out of jail free or that nice little screen pass to deviate away from, from the play. I, I find a lot more skilled positions are becoming sort of jack positions where you you will do a little bit of throwing a little bit of receiving a little bit of running it's kind of that sort of ethos now you're seeing a lot more of it this whole I guess Tebow really sort of kicked off I know there was probably people before Tebow Miami were running their wildcat a good two years before Tebow was even oh yeah that was when they had Ricky Williams wasn't it yeah exactly but it's the still idea is that you know this aforementioned of having this skilled player this player who, where will he line up next, sort of thing. Who who, who knows? You know, like they were saying um, this year, putting Tebow as a tight end or some crazy stuff like I that. I think that's what we were saying, wasn't it? We yeah, were we saying did. that this year, 
perhaps maybe he would be better off being a fullback or a tight end. He would see more action, right. and he potentially is better skilled to that sort of position with his physique and his lack of arm. Yeah. But like you said, it's getting to that, that skill position. Whether or not you'll see someone just solely run for 2,000 yards, um, I don't think there are people who are still the smash-mouth backs and there's still the the old-school coaches willing to put that into a, um, a system. Yeah, so the, the follow-up question to that is, who do you think is capable on the current squads to break that 2,105-yard record set by Dickerson. I'd, I'd like to see Doug Martin's next couple of years because I think his development is going to be important. He's lucky the way he is in Tampa Bay which he has real no presence of a sort of competition there. Yeah. He pretty much he, he came in drafted as a number one back. I mean there's times when I've seen them have a great run game and they look to Josh Freeman to then throw for no apparent reason. Yeah. When, when the run game Yeah. So I'm not quite sure. Maybe the next couple of years for his development, he doesn't break it in Tampa, but maybe if he, he develops the right way and keeps um, running the ball hard and stays injury-free, yeah. you know, touch wood on you, mate. It's definitely going to have to be, I think, maybe someone else, maybe a different system, not the Sperano system. And the only other person I can think of would be... CJ Spiller! Sorry? <laughs> no, actually, my, my mind is actually casting over towards Jamal Charles. Ah, Kansas City Chiefs, yeah. Kansas City Chiefs, just again, because the system he's in, you know, they haven't actually, in their case, he's got the the benefit this time. Though, he's, though he is number one back, and they do like to run the, they've got a, a, a second running back whose name eludes me, who who does come out a lot, and they tend to ro- rotate. Mm. I think it's due to the lack of <laughs> a thrower. Yeah, they don't have a quarterback in Kansas at the moment. They're, they're, that they're relying on the great run game. He's had some great performance this year. But again, the problem is, it's too easy we find then he's stuck in a system where you come up against good run defence he's literally been getting about 50 yards in those games yeah well thinking along the lines of skill positions there's one skill position that you'll never be a jack of all trades are and that's kickers now the reason I mention kickers is I want to ask you with David Aker's recent poor form and the amount of field goals he's missed this season do you think that's going to affect Coach Harbour's decision making in the clutch situations in the big playoff games. So say it's a 45-yard field goal, 4th and 1, 4th and 2, does he go for it as opposed to relying on a kicker that could win him the game but hasn't been reliable for him? I think a lot of the times what we're finding is that a lot of coaches are actually losing faith in kickers this year. A lot of them had problems. The other big one I can think of is Green Bay's Crosby, his kicker, where even we saw going back to Week 16 where he chose out of a 37-yard, I do believe, 37, 38-yard field goal. Normally, inside the 40 is a kicker's prerogative. Yeah. We're not joking with that. But 4th and 2, I believe it was, 4th and 3, he chooses to go in it. That much lack of faith he has. You you weigh up the options. I'm kind of deep enough within my enemy's territory to say, if I do not convert this, I'm happy with the change of field position. I think that's got to play on his mind because I think once once they get into the opposition half, I think he's going to be thinking, or he's touchdown. He's got to be thinking touchdown because he knows he can't rely on Acres. I know it's harsh because Acres is, without a shadow of a doubt, one of the best kickers of his generation. But it just so happens that this year he well, is a poor, having yeah, that it's a poor bad run season. Yeah. I think every every athlete has that bad season that bad game the bad run the bad form he's just got to shake the monkey off his back and unfortunately you know that's his time to sort of come at the worst opportunity 
Have they confirmed who's the quarterback yet? I don't know whether they have or not, but it's probably going to be Kaepernick, isn't it, with the yeah. way he's been starting recently. Yeah. But let's not forget, Alex Smith is the starting quarterback and Kaepernick is not the backup. Mm. So we're still it's going to be left hanging it's, it's on that one. It's to depend on that. So I think a lot of time, yeah, you are stuck thinking that... The problem is, Kaepernick, we've seen how badly he can suddenly bog down certain good runs. He'll have like these breaks in like series... Great series, bad series, great series, bad series, and it doesn't seem to have the consistency to put out. So having to sit there and say that you have to literally go every single time, I have to score six because I can only trust my kicker to make one. Yeah. That's that's tricky because, like you said, sometimes you want to get down into that, that clutch play and you'd rather be taking three points. You'd Absolutely. rather be taking three points. And like you said, you don't want it to be coming down to fourth quarter seconds to go and literally great I need a 36 yards to win the game it's like, a bit like rugby union once you get in a certain position you need to start chipping away and you just keep keep the scoreboard t- ticking over keep those three points going on and on and on and on and eventually putting pressure on the other team to have to change the way they play if they're not getting any score at all so oh absolutely if you can hold them three points are fine it's the only time when it starts to become a, a more immediate effect is when you're suddenly scoring three and your opponent puts seven. Absolutely. And another team that got rid of one of their kickers this year, the Washington Redskins. Now, I want to talk about them. I know we have been a bit recently, but just how good is this Washington Redskins team? Can we take them seriously as possible Super Bowl contenders? No. How I would love to see RG3 in his rookie season go the full distance, there's just not the, the combination needed for a full winning team there. I mean... If they manage to pull it off, I think it'll be one of those ones where that uh, you know, America's game will just lap up because that's going to be amazing to sort of put together. But I just don't think, that in truth, you look at what it takes to win a Super Bowl and all the pieces that need to come together. They've got, like I said, they've got a good up front on the defensive line. It's okay on the offensive side. I must admit, a lot of the time, RG 3s mobileness has been a, a great asset to get them out of trouble. So I think literally you come up against a, a strong heavy team that passes the ball a lot. I'm thinking Atlanta. They've got a good attack through the front seven as well in their defence, a weaker secondary. So RG3 could abuse them there. But at the same time, it will be RG3 then getting the pressure. Blitz schemes, because there's lots of blitz schemes in, in Atlanta. That's another one of their downfalls. The idea is we know we haven't got a, a good enough secondary, so we're going to blitz you and sack the quarterback before he has a chance to. I think their their running schedule will take them to meet Atlanta as well if they get through. So uh, I think yes, it would do because they'd be the worst. Well, possibly the worst. Right? The four, yeah, because they'd beat four. Seattle, so they'd beat yeah. So I, I just I honestly think if you get through through Seattle, I just see that's a brick wall too far. Unless Minnesota pull off a miracle against Green Bay, that is. So we'll we'll go through now the the playoff picture. Actually, obviously we're we're going through the games for you. So the way the playoffs now pan out. In the NFC, as that's where we're talking about, the games we have coming up this weekend, we have third place Green Bay at home against Minnesota. So a rematch of the last game of the regular season, the weekend just gone, but only it's being played in Green Bay as opposed to Minnesota. And you also have Seattle visiting Washington, which is a really intriguing battle. And with both rookie quarterbacks, with Russell Wilson, with RG3, You've got Marshawn Lynch, you've got Alfred Morris, you've got the way the Seattle defence will be playing, you've got London Fletcher on the Washington defence. It's just going to be a great tie, I think. 
And then for the AFC, we have Baltimore, who will be at home against Indianapolis. And we have Houston, who will be at home to Cincinnati. Now, the way the home teams have worked out with this part of the schedule before we get the one and two who automatically have home field advantage is the highest placed teams, i.e. third and fourth, get home field advantage for this set of games. And then the lowest ranked team to win this weekend goes through to play the top seed. So, with that in mind, I would like to go through where we think the playoff games are going to go from this week into next week and all the way through to the Super Bowl. Let's start with the Baltimore versus Indianapolis game. I think somehow, because especially as it's in Baltimore, and for those who haven't heard, Ray Lewis has announced his retirement from the game at the end of the season, so they've got a lot to play for. The crowd's going to be charged. Colts, I don't think, have been that good away from home this season, so I'm thinking Baltimore are going to sneak that one, but how about yourself? I personally, I think we're going to get an Andrew Luck victory here, and we're going to have a great matchup. hopefully then, the way that they'll conspire being the, the lowest rank through the week in terms will be the way we, we're looking at the, the next set of playoff pitches. It will be the new Colt versus the master Colt. Yeah, Denver and Peyton Manning, number one seeds, 13-3 and three after their victory this week. So you're thinking then that Houston are going to beat Cincinnati? Yeah, I mean, Houston had a, a poor form at the moment, but... One team that's really not doing well on the road is Cincinnati at the moment. Also, they seem to be um, waning at times. There's a few games that they've really sort of pulled down to the wire, and I think they have a real trouble in the red zone scoring. And I think as well, for me, the although Houston have had a couple of bad results recently, the way that defence continues to play throughout the bad results, yeah. I just wouldn't write them off. Well, I think it's the problem is the Houston... Texans is now the defense is now sort of propping up the offense, and it's kind of you're asking yourself why the offense can't seem to get itself started with you know Arian Foster. You've got uh, Matt Shaw, Andre Matt Johnson, Shaw, Andre Johnson, Owen Daniels, Owen Daniels. They've got a couple of real big speed guys out on the the side. Is it Jones? Is they Kobe Jones? Kobe Jones. They've they got they got some right speedsters to like if you wanted to split a split a defense. If you've got a weak secondary in their own house come on guys you really you've blown from a seed one you've now got to play the wild cards for a start and it's also a repeat well an exact repeat of last season's wild card playoff game in Houston Houston last year obviously had their first ever playoff game and they beat Cincinnati um, it was a close game but Houston came out on top oh. with a third string quarterback Yes, yes, of course, we had that TJ Yates, wasn't it? TJ Yates. TJ Yates, yeah. exactly. So you'd have to hope more coming out with uh, with Shaw. Yeah. But at the same time, I, I think you're right, this will be a single-figure difference. We're talking literally that three to seven-point range, I think, as well. So we're not talking high single figures, we're talking literally a field goal or two. Yeah, so it looks as though we, we differ slightly. So I've got the divisional round of the AFC being Baltimore versus Denver. And you're saying Colts versus Denver. And I have Houston versus New England. I have that too, yes. Yeah, Houston versus New England. So I think then we could both agree Houston versus New England. You're going to agree with me and go New England to beat Houston? In Foxborough, yeah. And I'm sorry, but Houston, for me, you've either got the Houston defence turns up or the whole team turns up. It doesn't seem to be one or the other. I know the whole defence wins championships, but defence can't win a full game for you in not, you know, 60 minutes. So, with the other game then, Denver, obviously I've got them against Baltimore, you've got them against the Colts. Do you still have Denver coming out on top? 
In mile high? Of course I do, yes. So we'd potentially be looking at the good old-fashioned championship game between Peyton Manning and Tom Brady. Yep, different team colours this time, but enamoured the same. And only this time Peyton Manning will actually be at home. Peyton Manning will be home and he has a defence that he can finally help him on the other side of the ball. Okay, so million dollar question then. Who comes out of the championship game between New England and Denver? Bring me those fucking Broncos. Really? You're going with Manning over Brady? Oh, yes. Fair play. Um, Well, that'll be interesting then. So we'll have a different Super Bowl already. I'm going New England, as those who listen to a lot will know. I've kind of been pipping New England for a long time now. And if they fall short, being a Bills fan, I'll love it. But at the same time, if they win, it makes me look good. So whichever way you want to play it, Pats, um, you know, go right ahead. So how about the NFC then? So we've gone through our games. Who do we think is going to come out of Green Bay and Minnesota? Well, I have to admit, though we saw Minnesota really step up, the Purple People Eaters really sort of ate away at the Cheeseheads this week gone by. But I think that once you take it into Lambeau, it's literally it's, it's Green Bay's ball, I'm afraid, because... The elements are then suddenly there, it's going to be cold, it's going to be who knows whether we'll have some adverse weather conditions with that rain or snow coming down. I know they've got a lot of weather at the moment over in the States. Yeah. So, you know what, I see Green Bay much more attuned to this. Our lovely purple people eaters in that air-conditioned dome. Pond, I think, is going to be a big challenge because him throwing the ball, whereas, of course, this week, we've just gone by... We saw a lot of him actually throwing the ball, and actually he was very productive for once. Yeah. You know, he's had these spouts where you can see why They've Vikings with picked with him. Yeah. Because he has got moments of greatness. At the same time, I think you can't rely too much on him this week, and therefore Peterson is going to be overused. And you know, soon I know they haven't got the best run defense, but once you're once you're pipping at a, a run every sort of majority, uh, I don't think you have to worry too much. Full grip on a AstroTurf pitch inside an air-conditioned dome averse to a, a cutting pitch in Lambeau Field at minus who knows what in a potential blizzard are you going to be able to have that thing where you're going to be able to cut the same way Aaron Rodgers is on that turf and that just, I think Green Bay's going to Green Bay's going to turn up and sit there and go okay last week uh, we didn't really turn up and let, let's, let's, let's win this one this week I have a feeling as well that they'll try and run the ball a lot more because Rodgers is the most sacked quarterback in the league Yeah, and in the the conditions that potentially we could have, they're going to look for ball security, they're going to look for time of possession, they're going to look to try and keep Adrian Peterson off the ball. And I think we'll see a lot of the Green Bay run. Yeah. So I've got Green Bay as well, I think, coming through that game. And then the other game, we have Seattle at Washington. Now, purely because of the role they've been on lately, the way they've been playing, and with Russell Wilson playing the way he's playing, I don't see anyone other than Seattle coming out of that game despite it being a close one I've got kind of that same scenario in my head what's got it for me is that um, Seattle have got a big problem playing away from home I like the factor there I like the the Washington at home they're going to have control of the ball I'd like to think that RG3 is going to be able to come out he's got the the run game set up as well this is going to be a ground out sort of we're talking a 9-3 game yeah or nine six game, or we're literally talking forty to thirty points. Like everyone just everyone's going touchdowns for fun. Yeah. Well, I hope it doesn't go the way of uh, one of my first games of Madden against my good friend Mickey. I was Seattle, he was Washington. Do you know what the final score was? Washington zero, Seattle thirty eight, and Russell Wilson threw for three touchdowns at least in that game. So. Wow, we've seen the we've seen the Seattle do that before. I mean, they've had the 
the shutouts over over Arizona for one fifty eight nil. I mean, that's that's uh, scarily impressive. Though I just don't think it's going to be like that because I feel that RG three is going to be able to create enough momentum on the ball with with Morris, and I think Shanahan calling the plays. He's going to be very aggressive. I mean, literally, we're going to be talking every single fourth and short. Pretty much no matter where it is on the field. Oh, he's going to be pulling an Andy Reid from this week. Whenever it's a fourth down, they're just going to go for it. Yeah. I think literally, I think he knows he's on the hot seat as well. So I think we can definitely see a, literally, if you imagine a a caged lion sort of fighting in a backed up corner here from Washington. And I like that. I think it really it really suits him. And like I said, the away form has been if and so. Like from I said, Seattle, yeah, undefeated at home this year. Seattle, undefeated yeah. at home. Yes, you have so to, eight of their 11 eight wins. Eight of their 11 wins. I mean, you look at some of the people they've lost to away as well. It's just literally, I, I just don't fancy their Seattle team. I know it's the, the next stage up and you think you go, you boys going to switch your heads on. But it's again... I'm sorry, I've got to look at what you've done this year. This year, and away so from home. who are you taking out of that game? Then give me the Redskins. Really? Oh, yeah, I love it. Nice. I love the fact that we're disagreeing a little bit here. Then, so we've got we agree on the Green Bay, San Francisco. Oh, oh yeah, I'll give you Green Bay. Yep, Green Bay and San Francisco. Then in the divisional round, mm-hmm. um, then that leaves us with Atlanta versus you say Redskins. Redskins. I say Seahawks. Um, and then out of those two games. Um, I've actually got Seattle beating Atlanta, even though it will be uh, just because of the role they've been on lately. Or just the way they're playing, the coach they've got, I really, really do fancy them this year. I must admit, if the scenario pulls that way, I do fancy it as well. Like I said, back to the original point I made about um, 10 minutes ago over Washington hitting that brick wall with Atlanta. I think if it comes out that way, I think they will unfortunately meet their end in the Georgia Dome. So you think that Atlanta would beat the Redskins? I think Atlanta would beat the Redskins, but I do have to agree with your point that I could see, if Seattle can topple Redskins, yeah. I can see them toppling Atlanta. Oh, OK, yeah, no worries. Well, I mean, we've seen what Matt Ryan's done sometimes this year, and it's been woeful. Yeah, absolutely, and they've been on the brink of losing various games and just managing to put there, out the last minute there's field There's been goal. a good sort of, I'd say, five of their, was it 13 wins this year or 14? Uh, they've had 13, I 13. Out of their 13 wins, I'd say five of them have literally been three three pointers is it literally I mean there's yeah. a few I mean Raiders at one point this year they were going to get blown out by the Raiders at one point with his stupid free interception game yeah absolutely and then so we have Green Bay versus San Fran in the other game yep San Francisco for me I just think regardless I think of who they're starting at quarterback I think that San Francisco defence is too good to get beaten at home the way they're playing They've got the guys up front. They've got Arlen, Arlen Smith, Justin Smith. You've got the guys on the back end in Whitner and Bowman. And just the way that defence is playing, the way they hit hard. And we've seen especially how hard they hit in playoff games, as I've talked about before, the way Whitner knocked out Pierre Thomas. We know they're going to bring everything. It could become, I guess, in a favour. Like I said, I'm not. I still haven't seen the best of Kaepernick yet. If that really comes to shine in the um, in San Francisco sunshine, then you know I think Candlestick Park could really get lit up. Hey, hey, hey nice little but, cheeky um, fun there. But I, I would have to say that it would have to be seen through what Green Bay produce in Lambeau. If we get Green Bay eking past Minnesota, then I think it would be a very easy stroll in the park for. San Francisco. I think if Green Bay step it up a notch for the, um, the for the playoffs and really go for it, yeah, I, I think it's going to be close. So for me, I've got the championship game being Seattle versus San Francisco, uh, and I'd have it Atlanta. 
San Francisco in my in my little world. Okay, and who would then move on to the Super Bowl? It's going to have to be San Francisco for just the fact is Atlanta offensively it's been put on a lot on Matt Ryan's shoulders. We've seen what's happened when he's put under too much pressure. He chokes under it. At the same time, the defense can't contain a, a decent offensive line pushing off against the pressure because that's the only way they're, they're, they're running in this year. Oh, we can't actually stop the pass, therefore we'll just pressurise the quarterback. I think the San Francisco actually offensive line is a really good offensive line. I think it's really good. Yeah. And i just like to think that whoever goes under centre, if he, if he switches his head on, of course as well, this will be in the Georgia Dome in my little world, because of course due to the, the, the number uh, one yes, seedings. Of course, yeah. So um, again, I don't think there's going to be any weather affections. So again, I think that's going to play into San Francisco's hand. Okay, so you're looking at I'm who looking, in the Super Bowl. So I'm looking at Broncos versus the 49ers. And as I said before, I'm going New England 49ers, New England to win. Who wins your Super Bowl? Um, in my Clash of the West? In your Clash of the West. Uh, I would have to go for, give it to the AFC. I'm going to have to give it to Manning to get his uh, second ring. And then that way he can boast to his brother. He can boast to his brother that he's not... Uh, yeah. We can all, all put it down to the fact that, you know, oh, Peyton Manning can't be the best brother because of his Super Bowl ring count. Well, I think you can put one finger, two fingers. Oh, that's right. He puts him up straight at Eli and says, now i got two Super Bowl rings, boy. And there you go. So that's that's how, in my little world, yeah, Bucking Broncos, where they're going to put down the... It's in New Orleans. New Orleans, yeah. So again, what's going in a dome. In a nice, <laughs> in a nice dome, It's again, we're not going to have any kind of like going back to uh, when Peyton Manning won it in that sort of monsoon bowl against the Bears. Yeah, So absolutely. literally, this is going to be a nice cool breeze and probably... I see what you did there when it's in New Orleans. <laughs> <laughs> I'm all about the puns tonight. <laughs> he, he certainly is, yeah. Um, so let's finish off then because I know it's a big thing we've got the playoffs coming up we've given it quite a lot of time tonight and, and rightly so I feel but let's finish off playoff talk with our swing week absolutely shall I go first or yeah you... no you go okay uh, my swing week is Seattle over Washington 60-40 so we're only talking about 7-10 points in favour of Seattle um, although it is at the skins in Washington Seattle haven't been playing well away from home, but it's the playoffs. And the one thing I've learned from the past few years about Seattle in the playoffs is never write them off. And Marshawn Lynch, at some point, is going to either break through three or four tackles or carry three or four people on his back whilst breaking off a 20-yard run. That's going to happen. Either are so possible. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, so, yeah, that's that's what I'm going for. How about yourself, mate? Well, my it's going to go to Green Bay versus Minnesota. I'm going to keep it NFC myself as well. And I honestly see this being Green Bay's day. I mean, I think they are absolutely going to just trounce the, the Vikings at home because I think they're going to make a point of it. I think they're going to want to be loud and proud going down into San Francisco. Now, again, I'm going to go for a 60-40 swing myself. So, again, I'm going to sort of look towards about a 14-point game. 14 to, let's say the 14 to 21. So, two to, two to three scores. Yeah. Okay, well, that's our... Let's move now on to one bit of news which will lead us into our impact players. And you'll see why. I just want to give this a bit more time. We briefly mentioned it earlier. Mr. Ray Lewis has announced his retirement at the end of the season. And... I can't help. It does bring a tear to my eye. I'm not going to Yeah, ha Having met the man and listening to him, you literally would want him to play forever. Absolutely. And if, for those people who may have seen it as well, when he did the uh, a football life story on the NFL Network as well, it's just 
just listening to him speak everywhere he goes it's always a different story it's never the same thing the way he touches people's lives the people he brings into his life that he just meets like there was it's a really bad way to describe it but in that a football life you see um, he met an old Baltimore fan who was struggling with illness um, so he was in his life for probably two three years something like that and he would just always go around his house chat about the game they would rip into each other and uh, it's just good to watch and um, I'll try and find the link if I can find a link to it I'll put that alongside the podcast because I really recommend everyone just sees that no, uh, not only is Mr Ray Lewis a great player on the field but he is a great ambassador off the field for the game for the way to conduct yourself in general as a man I think he sets a great example yeah so all these guys like we said early this, this season about all the off season antics Guys, all you guys who literally should be hanging your heads in shame, you know, go back, listen to this man, absorb his words of wisdom, and, you know, grow up a little, guys. Because literally there is a lot that you could just take from this man. Just listen to him speak. Absolutely. So, farewell, Mr. Lewis. It's been an absolute pleasure watching you play. And we hope we get someone half as good as you in the future. And if not, seeing him continually working somehow within the NFL... And if, randomly, if he's listening, if he fancies doing a coaching session for Aylesbury Vale Spartans... I mean, we know we know how much you're interested in the Brit- uh, developing the British game. So, you know, why not uh, give us a, a tweet or a call? Uh, links are on the page. <laughs> and then when we regain consciousness from you having contacted us, we'll get right back to you, I promise. Absolutely. So, again, Mr Lewis, it's been an honour. So, with that in mind, we move on to our... Mr. Ray Lewis Award for our Defensive Impact Player. Mate, I will hand this over to you first. Um, so this week we were, because we spent a lot of time on our playoff pitches, we sort of maybe not gave them the, the most time in the world of our, our awards this week. But I still have gone back and I've just picked a first place this week. No second places, no lucky runners up. So this week I'm just going to uh, sort out straight into my number one. My Mr. Ray Lewis for the week is going to go to... Mr. J. Dunbar of the St. Louis Rams. Ah, oh, he's picking a fellow Rams. I'm picking a fellow Rams. Well, I must on. admit, though, I mean, it was a great defensive showing from the Rams. I mean, it is nice to see that we have got a defensive-minded coach who's put time into the to the defense. But I mean, he had four tackles, seven assists. So it shows you how much he was around the ball. Yeah, so eleven total tackles. Eleven total tackles. I mean, literally, that's that's amazing. He's got a sack stuck in there and a forced fumble as well. Chris Long was was really getting to Russell How uh, Russell Wilson. Russell. Were you about to say Russell Howard? I was thinking the myself. comedian, the, comedian. <laughs> the English comedian, <laughs> which again we'll put a link and we'll show you <laughs> the difference between Russell Wilson and Russell Howard. We'll see if you can tell them apart. <laughs> Shame! <laughs> so, oh dear, that double scotch the rocks was a bad idea before before recording. No, absolutely. Um, <laughs> no, no, no. We never do anything as naughty as that, people. Um, no, what it is is that through Seattle, they have got really decent front on their offensive line, and literally they just got peppered. Uh, against the Rams and that was a combination it wasn't just him on his own but for me a real impact player is someone who's in the game constantly the fact that okay you've got the four tackles on your own solo tackles but seven assists creating force fumbles turnovers are an important part of the game defensively because you saw this year how many points pick sixes 
this year was the year of the pick six. Yeah, there was a record set, wasn't there, for the Absolutely. most number of Absolutely, it was crazy. So turnover, Over 60, wasn't it? Yeah. It was at least 64 last time I heard yeah. them mention it on Red Zone, yeah. Yeah, absolutely crazy. So therefore, I mean, for that, he has to be my Mr. Ray Lewis, because like Mr. Ray Lewis, he was everywhere on that pitch, come defensively. Yeah, congratulations to uh, to Chris Long. See, Chris Long? Not Chris Long, no. Chris Long? No, Joey Rain. Um, ah, John Dunbar. There we go. Yeah. That's John the lad, yeah. Yeah, see? You're not the only one that makes mistakes. Whoopsie! Shame! On me. Shame on everyone. <laughs> so let's move swiftly on, on to my Mr. Lewis award winner for the week, my defensive impact player. I've gone for Everson Griffin of the Minnesota Vikings this week in that game against Green Bay we've talked about how Rodgers is the most sacked quarterback putting pressure on him as well he had three sacks in his total of four tackles but not just the sacks he knocked Rodgers down four times we all know quarterback is a confidence position and the more times you get knocked on your ass, the less confident you're going to be so constantly putting him on the ground whether it be sacking him or just knocking him down after he's made a throw he was everywhere and Ultimately, as well as Adrian Peterson, I think led to that Minnesota win against Green Bay. Yeah, that was a very great defensive standout. So now let's move away from the defensive side of the ball and move on to our offensive impact, impact players. And I will let you start, sir. Right. So my one, I mean, because I knew we were going to mention um, the likes of Adrian Peterson. Um, I'm surprised actually I thought we would have mentioned by now uh, uh, Calvin Johnson seeing how my uh, my co-host absolutely loves him and thinks he is literally um, the best thing since sliced bread I love him I want um, to marry him so the reason why <laughs> the, my offensive uh, impact player of the week has been picked is because they've had a poor run of form I'd like to see them come back with a real bang this week and I've gone for Mr. Eli Manning oh you've gone for Eli Absolutely. Well, you can't. You got to hand it to him when he creates 208 yards of offense with five touchdowns. I think three of them were in the first quarter, and I believe it's the first time he's had five touchdowns in a game as well. Exactly. I mean, what a time to literally kick your rut, pull that monkey off your back. It was a shame because, of course, they needed a lot of things to go their way for them but to get. But fundamentally, they needed fundamentally, to win. Yeah, they need to win, win first. first. And literally, he came up, and literally, you're sitting there going, "Look, guys." What you got? Let's try. We can still do this. We have to at least win to get into the playoffs. It's systematically, like you said, they didn't make it in the end because of the way things went against them. But it's the idea is that if you're going to finish, you finish on a bang. And he certainly did that. Yeah. So, yeah, congratulations, Ina, for being our offensive impact, impact player. Well, Marcus, anyway, I've gone for a slightly different tact. I've gone for someone who I've mentioned in the, the blog this week purely because... When you think, if I was to say to you, name a rookie that was responsible for Washington Redskins' victory, what would be the first name you'd think of? RG3. That, yeah, see? So that's why this week I've given him a special mention and my offensive impact player, Mr. Alfred Morris, running back for the Redskins. Because this week, RG3 did his did a reasonable share, but Morris really carried that team on his it, back. It this, was a running, running display. He had 200 yards on the ground. He had three touchdowns. If they're not moving it through the air, they've got to move it on the ground, and boy, did he move it on the ground. We knew that the um, the defence on um, Dallas was suspect, but you know, when the implication was there, literally, whoever wins this game goes through as NFC East champions. I mean, do you, do you want any more incentive? No, and he really stepped up again this week. He's been having a reasonable season, 
Oh, and reasonable. Well, I say reasonable season, but <laughs> if, he's had if, over sixteen hundred yards. I was on say, the ground, if, yeah. if, if that's reasonable, show me outstanding. Uh, Peterson, Peterson, yeah, <laughs> over two thousand would be outstanding. Yeah, come on, Morris. Sixteen hundred is average you, at best. Ma- Morris, you're back in the trend. Come on, mate. Absolutely, have a shot yourself. Yeah, <laughs> definitely. It was a tough one this week as well because another player who I'm going to give a mention to. I know we said perhaps we wouldn't do, but I think D'Angelo Williams. Carolina Panthers running back that was this week. amazing wasn't it just I mean again it's a shame that they didn't have anything to play for because if you looked at the last six games the last six games Carolina you played the way you did in the last six games for the first what eight yeah they won the last four games of the season didn't they and you're sitting there going guys where was this? It's because they Where listened to the podcast yeah. and they heard me slating Cam Newton and we they realised they had a point to prove. Anyone, anyone who fell asleep uh, listening to this last week will know that we, we spoke far too much of this so we're going to speed right along. Absolutely. We're going to move swiftly on because we're running shy of time. So following up from our awards, there's just one more piece of business to cover from this week and that is what is known in the trade as Black Monday which is the first Monday after the end of the regular season where coaches and general managers seem to get fired! Or in the words of the great Vincent Kennedy McMahon, YOU'RE FIRED! Which has happened quite a lot this week, so we'll run through them and get a few opinions. I was was honestly surprised you didn't get a a Lord Sugar little soundbite to put in there. See, I could have gone with Lord Sugar, but I'm more of a fan of Vincent Kennedy McMahon. Yeah. Bigger businessman, bigger cojones. Anyway, we'll move swiftly on. Um, so, let's do a quick rundown of some general managers that got fired, because there was a few of those this week which quite surprised me. So, it's, some teams have gone for a bit of a clean-out on cleaning out both head coach and general manager. Likes of San Diego have cleared out general manager AJ Smith. And also head coach North Turner, obviously wanting to start afresh. Yeah. We also have the Cleveland Browns got rid of coach Pat Shermer and also general manager Tom Hercart Jr. Now, is anyone sticking around there? Because the owners literally ditched out on them. These guys are going as well. Literally, it's not... Well, Haslam came in at the start of the year, didn't he? He took yeah. over the previous owner, so he's having not... a bit of a clear out. It is not happy times in Cleveland, literally. But when we look at how they've played this season, and they finished up five and uh, no, sorry, not five and eight, obviously, but they had five or six wins, did they this year? Yeah, Trent no, Richardson no showing a lot of promise. I did. Like, needs I did, a little bit of work. I did. I did like Richardson this year, and that that I tell you what, that kid, Josh Gordon, Jesus, he got some speed on him. Absolutely, yeah. And they've got uh, Little as well, haven't they? Another receiver that's yeah. He showed, say, he showed some signs. There's there, some signs there that he could be a good receiver. It, but. I tell you what. There's a few times, though, he needs a new pair of gloves. He's got to go see the equipment manager because a few of them just slipped right out. He's got to take those greasy gloves off. Underarmers or cutters, what do you reckon? (laughs) (laughs) Moving swiftly on. Okay, you also had uh, Gene Smith, general manager of Jacksonville, being fired. Uh, You had Rod Graves of the Arizona Cardinals being fired. And also Ken Weisenhunt, the head coach, being fired from Arizona. Well, that's the way. Again, that is just all about how he messed up that quarterback position. Absolutely. Well, they had their third or fourth starter at qu- fourth starter at quarterback, didn't they, this week? Finally, the one that surprised me, we, we touched on the New York Jets a little bit last week. And of the people to get fired, I was not expecting it to be their general manager, Mike Tannenbaum. No, I did not see that. I mean, yes, we do realise that coaches are normally the first one in the, uh, in the gun site. And unfortunately so, sometimes unjustly. But you know, this this one, I'm, I'm sorry, again, going back to like uh, Wisenhunt, uh, the way you botched up your quarterback position, that is, that is such a key position. I mean, we saw McElroy 
do enough to sit there and... Yeah. He looks okay. He looked but... okay. But again, the fact is, kid is learning the ropes, and I think he's not going to learn any ropes out of Sanchez. No, absolutely Except one's not, had to tie your feet down, aren't they? Yeah, absolutely. We'll move away from him, so we'll move on to the rest of the uh, head coaches that went. Um, the obvious Andy Reid from Philadelphia got fired. We pretty much all knew that was coming. It was very well publicised. Yeah, that was that was a, that was a surprise that it's wasn't mid-season. You know? Surprised it wasn't last season as well. To be fair, um, we also had Romeo Cornell being fired from Kansas. Um, that is a difficult job to be honest. I mean, the only real highlight he's had there ever since was busting up uh, Green Bay's perfect season. That's the only real thing they've to shout about absolutely yeah and New Orleans earlier this year but um, then finally before I move on to the one that actually really shocked me um, Chan Gailey of Buffalo has been fired um, on Monday and I know I've been talking about wanting him to go for a long time now the last sort of four or five weeks but I've got to give the man a lot of credit because when it came to his speech when he got fired on Monday he turned around and said, you know, I appreciate this is a business, there's circumstances, you know, decisions have to be made, I haven't been out to get it done, and he said that Buffalo was the first team that he's been fired from that he would be rooting for, and I think, do you know what I mean, I thought, fair play, he realises it's a business decision, it's nothing personal, he's just not been out to get it done, the whole coaching staff has been cleared out from Buffalo to go for a fresh start, and I got a lot of respect for for Coach Gailey after what he came out and said after the after he got fired, and on the Buffalo front, although he's not been fired, General Manager Buddy Nix is going to be replaced, but they're in the process of handing over his duties to Doug uh, Worley. So Buddy Nix is in charge for now, but his decision all the decision making is going through what is now the new president slash executive chief officer Russ Brandon, and um, that also happened this week that Ralph Wilson Jr. handed it over to. Russ Brandon to run the business so yeah the the one that shocked me Lovey Smith from Chicago is one that shocked me but then at the same time I was thinking well actually since they got to the Super Bowl and lost to the Colts what have the Bears done? Not much and to be honest without being mean to the Bears they were never going to win against the Colts that year either were they? No. It just seems that they have always been a sort of thereabouts team I mean they haven't ever had a really bad year I mean they've never had like a 2-14 and 14, you know like the Colts last year no they're year. always playoffs or they're thereabouts or yeah I mean they've always stuck around 500 but I mean sooner or later unfortunately fans just getting bored of 500 they want to see like I said if they were saying consistently breaking into the playoffs into championship games or even into say you know divisional bouts you know winning the division that's it it's more about the uh, the championship game isn't it because they are consistently up there about winning the division or and getting into the playoffs but just not really progressing any well, further than it, that it's definitely been since since, since the, Green, the, Green yeah Bay. I mean since Favre decided to um, retire unretire re-retire unretire that whole thing and Aaron Rodgers came out what's that got to be about five years ago now uh, yeah he's on Madden 2008 oh jeez so. jeez jeez that is uh, crazy. But if you think about it, since then, once Aaron Rodgers got his chance, literally Green Bay have had that sort of uh, division wrapped up in their pocket. Yeah. There's been about a two, three-year slump from Minnesota. I do believe there was talk about, um, once they got into the playoffs, the little thing came up on the screen on Red Zone saying this is the first time they've been in the playoffs since about 2007. Yeah, it would have been Brett Favre would have been the last quarterback to get them into the playoffs, wouldn't it? Exactly. So... It was kind of weird me thinking about it, looking looking towards all of this, and I'm, 
I'm trying to break it down. I'm sitting there going, well, the Lions have always been the Lions. They had that one decent run sort of last year, was it, or the year before? Yeah, this year they had the Madden cover curse. So they had the Madden cover curse. They weren't going to get anywhere. So you've always had them sort of sitting around at sort of second place in the division. After a while, people just get bored of being second place. I think as well, another thing, looking at it from the general manager's perspective, to me, when I look at all the stars and the talent on the Chicago team, yeah, that's an old team now. Matt Forte's getting on, Devin Hester's 30, Wait, I think Jay I, Cutler, Brandon Marshall. A lot of it's on that defensive because you've got Erlacher, Briggs, yeah. um, Tillman. That is, it, Again, it, yeah. needs, it needs a lot of rework. I mean, your time to win a Super Bowl was about two, three years ago. Yeah, absolutely. But the best chance of winning it probably was when they got there against the Colts. As we said, because of the likes of Rodgers and things like that coming through. But... So that was it. Shocked me, but then at the same time, I can think of logical reasons why they would have made that. Move. Yeah, I mean, I think it's now you sort of sit there and go, "Look, we're we'll probably have to reshuffle the team around. We're probably looking into restru- uh, restructuring and rescheduling. We probably realise we're going to go into our three-year sort of what I call the I like to call it the team cocoon plan, where you go basically after your team's had the sort of what I call a, a, a deadly season, where you pretty much. Like I said Jacksonville this year will go into cocoon mode. Yeah. You'll sit there and you'll go, you go protect yourself. You protect all your assets and your interests, and then what you'll do is you'll just slowly build. Yeah. And I think they're just going to do that, and they they're going to go. We're going to lose a lot of people in the, either this year or next year in retirement. People will look towards possibly. Um, we'll have to let them go onto their last extensions of their contract, so we'll get rid of them. And it's going to be a lot of rookies and stuff like that. Now, that can work. We've seen it work. You know, you have to only look at Seattle this year. Got a lot of rookies, and so have the Colts. So, um, I guess in a way, I mean, RG three and Alfred Morris are the two big name rookies on the Redskins. But I mean, I'm sure they must have other rookies sitting around the place. But it is mainly Seattle and uh, Colts that make me think of rookie teams that can make it work. Yeah, there's still hope for Chicago. They don't have to sit there and think they're gonna have two or three years of no results. I can understand where they're coming from. Let's. Wipe the slate keen. Let's come up with a new formula. That's see if that it. works. So now they've all been fired. We have the coaching carousel at the same time as the playoffs. And we have to wait and see who ends up where. Your guess is as good as mine as to who's going to go where. Still not sure if I want any of those coaches at Buffalo or if I want a coach out of college. Not really sure. But for now, week 17 is in the books. As always, it's been an absolute pleasure, Marcus, my friend. It's been a pleasure too. And uh, take care, everyone. <laughs>